Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is a podcast by the Cohere Collective here to guide you along your path to make meaning in a way that makes sense for you. This week, I sat down with development manager, Caitlin Cahill. A friend and I met Caitlin at a concert at the beginning of this year, and I truly believe it was serendipity that we were brought into each other's lives. Caitlin and I immediately clicked, and after talking with her about her views on life, I knew I had to have her on the podcast. Caitlin is one of those people that brings positivity and comfort wherever she goes. She is so truly herself that she helps everyone else feel like they can better be themselves. I am just so grateful that we got to have this wonderful conversation. So let's take a deep breath and get started. are good to go. Caitlin, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me and chat on this beautiful Monday evening. Most people would probably want their Monday to relax at home with their <laughs> lovely, adorable cat. So thank you for being here and being so generous with your time. I'm happy to be here. This is so exciting. I'm glad you're excited. Okay. So first question that we always start with just to kind of try and start the conversation on the right foot. What is one thing that you're grateful for? Oh my gosh, I love that question. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I used to do three things I was grateful for every day. Yeah. That was something I did for a while. Um, one thing I'm grateful for is my sisters. I guess it's oh. two things, but No, that I'm counts. Gra- we yeah. can put them together. <laughs> yeah, my sisters. Nice. Tell me a little, why, why your sisters right now? Why did that occur to you? Um, I was just texting them earlier. And so I think they were just, like, top of mind for me. Um, But we talk all of the time, and they don't live in Texas with me right now. So Mm. they live in Louisiana. So I think any time that I get to see them and and chat with them and visit with them, I'm really grateful for. So Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's really wonderful. And there's something really unique about sibling relationships, too, that's just unlike any other relationship you will ever have yes but yeah because <laughs> yeah. they're built in it's like built-in friends yeah um because we've changed so much and grown up together yeah. and they're still around yeah and it's one of those relationships that you get to hopefully have for your whole life so something that's really special yeah it's really unique my therapist says um your siblings know how to push your buttons because they're the ones who installed them And I think that is, like, the funniest (laughs) thing because it's so true, right? Like, growing up when you were first, like, getting all of the, like, information about who you were going to be as a human being, like, your siblings are part of that. And so that's why they're so good at, like, they know you so well. They know you better than most people. Yeah, 100%. I love it. We just dove right into it. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Okay, and then second question to kind of kick off our conversation is, it's a doozy what is your story? And everyone always is like, whoa, that's a question. And yes, it is a question. But don't feel like you have to give me every single last detail, whatever that question kind of means to you right now in this moment. And however you want to discuss that, like, however you interpret it, I want to hear it. Okay. Though this is definitely a doozy of a question. (laughs) It's very Brene Brown. Yeah. (laughs) Love that. I love it. That's definitely Um, where this question is inspired by is from her podcast because that's a very frequent um, question that she asks. It's a good question. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, Well, my name is Caitlin. I am originally from right outside of New Orleans. So I grew up my whole childhood in Louisiana, something very special about Louisiana to me. Um, I went to the University of Alabama, so I lived in Louisiana until I was 18, 
And then I went to the University of Alabama, so I lived in Tuscaloosa for four years. I studied business management and entrepreneurship. Um, I minored in math and psychology. Ooh. So I was a little bit all over the place. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. We love a well-rounded queen. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Um, But my whole life, I've also been very interested in art Mm. and all types of art. So I took visual art classes from kindergarten until I graduated from high school. Yeah. And then when I got to Alabama, that kind of expanded a little bit, and I got more into poetry, so that side of things. Yeah. Um, And then when I graduated from school, I got a job opportunity in Texas, and so that's when I moved to Dallas, and I've been here for about two years, almost two years. (laughs) Yeah. So I know that was pretty brief, but overall, from... From start to finish, I'd say like that's my journey of those are of the where highlights I've been so far. Yeah, I love it. So obviously, moving from the place that you've known your whole life. You said your sisters are still there. I'm sure your parents are still in Louisiana as well. My parents are in Florida. Oh my gosh, I did know that. We have talked about that before, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I know we have talked a little bit about this, but tell me a little bit about the experience of moving to a new place where you don't know anyone because I think that's like a big thing that especially in this period of life like people do all the time but I think also some people hold themselves back because they're afraid of what that might mean like it feels like you don't have a safety net when you're you don't know anyone there right so what what has that experience been like that experience has been one that's helped me grow a lot Mm. And it was also different the first time I did it versus the second time I did it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think it's because the first time I did it, I, you're always meeting new people when you're in school. Yeah. And so building friendships and building relationships can come a bit more naturally Mm. when you're put in an environment to meet new people every semester yeah so it was a bit easier to and clubs right clubs on campus oh yeah it's a bit easier to find your people Mm -hmm. and Tuscaloosa was a bit of a smaller city still a lot of people but a, a bit smaller yeah whereas moving to Dallas there's probably seven or eight different neighborhoods within Dallas yeah yeah. there's a lot more places to go a lot more places to visit and a lot more ways to meet people Mm. so I almost had this moment of I'm sure my people are here yeah I just don't know where to find them it's almost like um analysis paralysis where you have so many options that it prevents you from taking just one right yeah yeah there's so many things that you can do yeah so it's how do I decide where to go and where to meet people um but there's also something very freeing about it because you can try new things yeah and you can become pretty self-reliant so I think that's that was the difference for me between my transition to college and then my transition to Dallas. Gotcha. Is when I when I first went to school, I was a bit more nervous to do things on my own. Yeah. And to do things by myself. And once I got more comfortable with doing things on my own and doing things by myself, it allowed me to try those new things and meet new people and inherently which is actually how we met. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, that was definitely the main difference in the two. But it's a tough, it's a tough transition for anyone. Yeah. But it's also very liberating and mm. confidence building when you are able to build community and find people. Yeah. So it's also a great experience and opportunity for self growth. Yeah. I think a lot of people, the only experience they have with that is going to college for the first time not this kind of young professional period of life where you know you are completely uprooting you don't know anyone I think that's much rarer um so that's really 
empowering to hear how putting yourself in a place of discomfort really like you've been able to reap the rewards of that and you were using a lot of language of like freeing liberating um taking on this kind of onus of control of your life what does that feeling feel like now that you've are you're working towards that you have this greater sense of that talk to me a little bit more about that feeling it feels great now because i think i'm in a place where i do have a good community and mm. i do have um friends that i'm very fortunate to have like where i live yeah but along the way it can be quite a challenge sure so it's definitely there is some growing like some yeah. growing that takes place there are some growing pains but i've gotten to a place where I'm able to recognize that if I'm not pushing myself to grow or if I'm not pushing myself out of my comfort zone every yeah. now and then, then I'm not getting closer to the person that I want to be. Mm. And so it's almost like kind of having a conversation with yourself of if I want to, to continue to grow and I want to continue to build relationships and build friendships, then sometimes you do have to put yourself in a situation that might make you a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but the more you do it, it's almost like building that muscle, right? Yeah. So like the more you do it, the easier it gets. And then there's always something new Yeah. to try. <laughs> there's always something new to, to do. So. 100%. Well, and you can never fully prepare for any experience, right? It's like every day is a new day. So like everyone's acting like we know how to act, but we're also all kind of faking that because none of us have ever lived this moment before so it's like you don't have to pretend that you know what you're doing all the time and yeah I'm sure it's kind of the same thing there where it's like it's just a new experience of course we're all just trying it we're trying things yeah but how exciting is that because you could meet someone tomorrow that could completely change your life hundred percent and you just don't know that do you okay Do you ever think about how at literally any moment in time, we could all make a decision that drastically changes the course of your life, like moving to Dallas, accepting a job offer. But then I even think about little things of like, if someone's been really struggling in a friendship and they decide to finally cut that person off, like, what would that look like for your life? If you finally decide to like, make a move on that person that you've had feelings (laughs) for forever like you know it's like any one decision has all of these ripple effects and you could never imagine the consequences good or bad that could come out of those but like you said how exciting is that that you really have that power that possibility yes a choice it's it's very exciting and I think I'm obviously very young, but I do feel like the older I get, the more you trust yourself to Mm. make the right decision. Yeah. And that's also very empowering. Um, And I'm sure if I listen back to this in a couple of years, I'll probably... (laughs) You were so young, you don't know know. anything about what you're talking about. No, but yeah, Yeah. you're able to build that trust and you can trust your own judgment Absolutely. to make the right decision. And even though we're both young... um, (laughs) But I still think it's a good thing to reflect on how you've grown. And yes, in a couple years, we'll both probably listen back and be like, oh, the things I know now. But <laughs> at the same time, I think it's great to be able to acknowledge, like, I do have more growing to do, but also I have grown so much. Yeah. And like, you already have a better sense of like who you are. Yeah. On that, you were talking about um, how this journey has been in large part about getting to be closer to the person that you want to be. Um, And you've also talked about trusting yourself in that process and trusting what feels right for you. Tell me a little bit about that process. Like what does trusting yourself look like? What does that feel like in your body? Um, And trusting yourself to get closer to the person you want to be. This is kind of a part B of the question, but how have you characterized the person that you want to be? And has that been 
I guess for both of these elements are these more intuitive things that it's just like I know that that's the kind of person I want to be or I know that this feels right for me or has there been a little bit more conscious effort in defining what those things look like that was like seven questions in one I can absolutely ask them again no 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 (laughs) I'm following I'm following and I think it's a little bit of both yeah so I think some of it is a bit more intuitive sure in terms of hey this experience is really calling out to me this is something that I really want to do so on a very I guess simple level um there was one time that there was an art event that I really wanted to go to Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to go by myself and so I didn't go Mm. and so that feeling of oh, I really wanted to go, but I didn't go because I didn't want to go by myself. Yeah. That just didn't sit right with me. Mm. And so I consciously, so it's both subconscious yeah. and conscious, but I consciously told myself, I don't want to be someone who skips something because I don't want to go alone. And so then that was a conscious effort of me saying, okay, well now I'll go to things alone because I want to yeah. go to them. So that's one example, but I think, on a broader level, trusting myself has taken a lot of conscious effort mm. because, and my um, my therapist put it like this, if you have a friend who every single day they tell you, yeah, we can go to the gym together tomorrow morning, and then every single day they don't show up. You're not going to believe that friend or trust that friend. Yeah. And so subconsciously, for me, right, it was hard to trust my own decision-making and my own judgment when I wasn't always showing up for myself when I told myself I would. Beautifully poignant way of framing that. Mm Because absolutely, if I had a friend who was like, yeah, Absolutely. We're going to wake up at 5 a.m. and work out together. And then we're going to, um, like, cook dinner together. Yep. And they just didn't show up. Yeah. I'd be. We're not friends. You're not someone I want to be friends with. And yeah. you should be someone that you want to be friends with, that you can trust in that way, right? Because yeah. you're really... Wow. Yes. I know. I know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's your relationship with yourself is arguably the most important relationship that you'll have because it's the one that lasts your whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And I think it's also in terms of your relationship with yourself, again, similar to the sibling relationship, it's different from every single other relationship, obviously, because it's the only one that we are consciously like aware of and experiencing in the present moment. Um, And in some way, we are kind of prisoners to ourself in that way that you can never escape your own mind, your own self. Like, this is always who you will be, the body that you are in, the mind that you are in. And if you're trapped in that place, you can either look at it as an entrapment and, like, this sucks I I can't ever break free of being who I am or I get to choose to cultivate a a lifelong like romance with myself with this person like that is going to be deeper and more intimate than anything ever could be it's like you really do have that choice And to comment a little bit on your discussion of learning to trust yourself and that experience of that, don't let me put words in your mouth, but it sounds very much like it's using your conscious thought to trust the subconscious, like incorporating these two things together as opposed to letting them exist separately. It's almost been this like merging of the conscious and the subconscious that's allowed you to do that. Yes. Yes. And it takes a well and it's still a work in progress right sure it's always absolutely. going we're to be, always a work in progress <laughs> yes always work in progress um but it takes time yeah because even thinking about the brain and how the brain works and neural pathways yeah. and like 
getting into a little bit of psychology here, mm-hmm. but at first you're always going to resort to what you've done historically. Yeah. Because you haven't laid that new path yet. And so you're almost fighting against your subconscious. Yeah. Until it becomes habit. Like you said, that new muscle memory, right? right? You have to start flexing that muscle in order to be able to rely on it. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. I love, um, the language of neural pathways. Cause I remember the first time that I kind of learned the psychology behind that and how our brains similarly to human beings have pathways that we walk. And if you take the same walking trail every single day and it's your walking trail, eventually you'll know that pathway by heart and you'll be able to just take that pathway, right? Easy. But if one day you decide you something about that pathway isn't right anymore, if you go on autopilot, you're still going to go back to that old pathway. And it's the same exact thing for your brain, right? Like you've ground these grooves into your brain so consistently that if you're not actively trying to climb out of that one into another one, whenever you are just like free balling on autopilot, it's like when you have just moved houses and you're on autopilot driving home and you drive to your old house just because <laughs> yes. that's what, that, that's what your brain knows. Yes. It's, it's, um, I don't know where my thought was going here, but I was going to say something along the lines of, you're fine. It'll come back. It'll come back. It'll come back. It'll come but back. But yes, these different neural pathways and yes. falling into the old ones versus an active choice of picking a new one. Yes. And so it takes a lot of, this is what I was going to say, is it takes a lot of presence mm. and awareness of what you're feeling Because even if an old habit was something that wasn't healthy for you or wasn't good for you, if you're not aware and conscious of how you're feeling and how you want to react to it, you're going to fall back into that old habit. Wow. Just like driving to your old house. Yeah. But even if it's something that's not healthy, if it was a habit, then it's still something that you'll rely on because your brain knows, hey, this is what I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's comfy. Right. It makes sense. It's like, it's your old, well-worn t-shirt, right. you know? Like, <laughs> that uh, doesn't quite fit right. Right. But you haven't bought a new one. And it's so it's you so comfy, so, like, I'm just going to throw it on. Yes. <laughs> but until you realize, actually, it doesn't fit right, you know? And you, until you're consciously aware in the present moment, exactly like you were saying, of how is my body reacting to this? Mm-hmm. How mentally am I reacting to this how do I really feel in this moment Mm -hmm. if you're not asking yourselves those yourselves those wow yourself those questions it takes a certain aspect of like you said self-awareness but also like honesty with yourself yes and that goes back to like what you said about being your own best friend that if you're not being honest with yourself, of course you're not going to trust yourself. Right. Because yourself lies to you. <laughs> yes, yes. And have you talked about the difference or, or learned about the difference between self-awareness and self-management? No. Tell me more. I, so, I'm like, I have a gut instinct as to what it could be. And so that's where my brain went. But I don't think I've heard it ever laid out. So I would love to know. It ties a bow on what we've been talking about. Yeah. And so self-awareness is, hey, I recognize how I'm feeling. I recognize what I'm thinking. But it's not actually taking an action on it. Mm. It's just the awareness of, hey, this is or isn't working for me. And then self-management is the ability to do something about it. Wow. That makes perfect sense. So it really is like thought, recognition, and then action. Mm -hmm. And how those are very different, but also you can't have one without the other. Right. Yeah. They're still so intimately linked. That's, like you said, it just perfectly kind of ties a bow on that. I love that. I love having new concepts and language to talk about things because it makes things so much more accessible. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, 
Okay. I want to round back to a couple different things, but we will start with how you were talking about your journey with um, art and visual art, and then that kind of transitioned into some performance art as well, and what that piece of your selfhood has kind of looked like and how that's developed as you've grown too. Yeah. Um, I would say when I was younger, I don't even remember necessarily what drove me or brought me to art at the very beginning, but what I liked about it is that it combined a bit of technicality with creativity. Mm. So when you're in an art class and you learn, hey, you mix these colors, and then there's a science behind it, yeah, and it becomes this new color, and then, but you also have that creativity and that free liberty to make something that didn't exist before and that yeah. you made and that is yours. Um, but also has, like, that technicality behind it. Mm. And I think the the art that I still enjoy the most and enjoyed the most when I was younger is the art that's, like, not necessarily for anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so if I was getting graded on something or if I had to turn something in or if it was going to be scored. It's <laughs> a little different. <laughs> it's a little different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It always feels interesting to me, like, how there's art competitions and, like, how you can literally, like you said, study art, major in art, like, when it's so subjective. And, of course, you know, you have all this stuff that's, like, you have to learn the rules to know how to break them. And, yes, absolutely. Like you said, there is a technique there and there are techniques to learn and to become very masterful of. And yet that is not like the magic that you get when you go to a museum when you stare at a at a work when you perceive interact with a work it really is not about the technique that they've put into it but the exchange that's now happening between perceiver and art right yes and like that live moment and for someone to then be like hmm that experience was a B plus. <laughs> it's just very interesting to me. Um, so talk to me about art that you do just for you. Oh, I wish I had more to say on this. I don't do as much art now yeah, no, as I yeah. used to, but I, I do. It's something that I want to get back to because it's something that I really miss. Yeah. Um, so whether it was painting and sometimes I would paint something and then just throw it away yeah (laughs) like hey this is exactly how I was feeling in this moment and no one else will ever have to see this right and then you're like this was one day or one moment and then you you just toss it and there's Uh, also like this is me maybe being like very me about this and like having deep thoughts and like projecting them on where they don't exist and that is a flaw of mine to like read into things however I do think that like throwing an art piece away or damaging an art piece is an act of art in and of itself like you're adding something into this creation that you did and if you are the only one perceiving it that completely changes that work than if you were to give it to someone or show it to someone or the purpose behind when you were making it right on that note there's a video by hank green i love hank green and if you haven't seen it you need to watch it okay and he talks about the vulnerability and the fear that goes into sharing something that you've created because Mm. as soon as you share something that you've created it's no longer yours he was talking about this about his novel yes so this was before his novel this was years ago i believe i'm I'm sure he he talked about it with his book too in a very similar vein um but what he what he gets to in the video is that there's a level of vulnerability that comes in sharing something 
that you've created because it's a piece of you. Yeah. And to that end, the scariest thing, but also the most important thing, is that you are also your own work of art that you create and that you share. And some people get to see more of it than others, but there's still inherently this level of fear that Mm. comes with creating yourself and sharing yourself because when you do share more of yourself with people it's a part of yourself that isn't just yours anymore yeah it's a part of yourself that other people have thoughts and opinions and feelings on wow and that can be a really scary thing to to do yeah there is a I think it's a Van Gogh quote that is one of my favorite quotes but it's like make your life your greatest work of art and it is something that has just I think I saw it in like middle school and I was like oh my goodness yes that's me I'm gonna live like a work of art like not quite fully <laughs> yes. appreciating it but like subconsciously maybe I think subconsciously yeah, maybe, maybe hopefully, but like like you said as you get older and like you return to things or things grow with you as you grow right and so absolutely I totally agree with that. And I love this idea of living your life as a work of art, but I've never added in that piece of, well, like with any other work of art, when you share it with someone, you are giving it away. Mm -hmm. It is no longer yours. As a creator, as an author, as an artist, you no longer have full ownership or um, what I, it's, what word am I looking for? Um, control. Control. Uh, there's. This is going to bother me now if I don't come up with this no, word. Okay. It's the word when um, parents are custody. Custody. You <laughs> no longer have full custody over this thing, right? And so sharing yourself with other people is. It's kind of like popping your rib cage open, right? And like allowing them to like see those ugly bits is saying that like your opinion on it is going to alter me yeah is going to change who I am um but it's the it's changing the version of you that exists in their mind right externally to yourself yeah yes yeah so that also makes me think of something my therapist says um which is what other people think about you is none of your business (laughs) which I'm like I just need that tattooed on my forehead because (laughs) it's such a good reminder but it's like it is true um however the consequences of that I think acknowledging that those still impact you Mm -hmm. and change you is important but to keep in mind that whatever they are choosing not to share with you even if it is about you is also within their prerogative to do right and so it's this really like fraught interaction where it's like if you're taking this idea that we are our own work of art and sharing it, it becomes this shared thing. However, you get your own say on this work of art and you don't have to share your opinion about that with me because that would be sharing this other part of yourself that is in your custody until you want to share it. Yeah, yeah. And everyone is also creating themselves. Yeah. And is also creating to that end, like their own work of art. And so because everyone has years and years and years of life and experience Mm. that you'll never fully see that have made them the person that they are, that also ties into you sharing yourself and, and you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's almost like, um, you know, when you're little, I feel like I have like an analogy for everything today. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm sorry if this is like hard to follow. But when you make those, the artworks in like kindergarten where it's just a splatter of paint and then you fold the paper in half and you kind of squish it together. I feel like sometimes when you meet people, it's kind of like squishing these two paintings together where like you impact each other and you're allowing someone else to both have access to your work of art but also interact with it yeah, you like, share paints you share paints you share paints and then yeah. all of a sudden you're this new version of you that is 
someone who listens to the music that your freshman year roommate in college listened to and yeah. you bake the cookie recipe that your best friend from work you know yes <laughs> um yeah. you know the recipe that they used or you do your hair I do my hair the way that my sister taught me yeah. or do my makeup a certain and way because someone kind else of taught me <laughs> beautiful that your work of art can also be co-authored you know yeah, it's incredible it's, it's incredible. incredible and it's beautiful yeah and it's a combination of all of the people that you've been close to yeah and yet it's still you it's still yours at least your version within your own reality is 100% yours yes because there I'm sure a lot not I'm sure there are lots of people who listen to Taylor Swift yeah and listen to Harry Styles or you know like certain things or um of course there are there are so many people on the planet but there's something inherently special for everyone that there's no one else on the planet with every single experience that you yeah. have that also likes every single thing that you like. Yeah, there's no way. And that's really cool. It's really freaking cool. <laughs> really cool. Yeah. Well, and now I'm also, like, my brain is running in a tangent about, like, the infinite uniqueness that we all have and yet also how we are so infinitely tied to one another because the human experience is so universal so it's like you have that plus this like absolute uniqueness and it's once again like this tension of both of those things but we'll kind of round back to that in a second (laughs) okay because before we dive into that a little bit more of a metaphysical conversation I want to talk a bit more about not specifically Hank Green or the Vlogbrothers even though obsessed with both of them they're wonderful they've done so much just great work for the world and the humanities and community um but we also mentioned Brene Brown at the top of the episode so these are three people Hank Green John Green Brene Brown that we've mentioned and talked about as being inspiring and informative into this journey so I'd like to hear a little bit more about you know kind of your thoughts about their work in general and anyone else that you kind of find important to you in this journey that you'd like to throw out there yeah um I love Brittany Brown yeah same (laughs) this is like one of the first things we bonded about (laughs) I know I know we've talked about this before but she's so so special to me so inspirational um so she's definitely played a big part in how I look at the world. Mm. Um, that's been more of a, a recent, I'd say within the last three to four years mm-hmm. that I've really started listening to more of her her content and reading her books. Um, whereas with the Green Brothers, I have been watching their videos since I was very young. Yep, me too. Yeah, <laughs> but something that I think they have in common is all of their work is based in at least in my opinion based in kindness and Mm. wanting to make the world a little bit better yeah than it was when they got here and that's through their research through their charity work through their art right doing what they can to better understand their version of the human experience wow yeah and share that with people ultimately making people feel less alone freaking i'm like print everything you just said on a (laughs) t-shirt please so i can wear it that is so i i'm like words are failing me because I, i don't even have a proper way to reflect how much i agree with what you just said yeah and why i think so many people are drawn to them yeah because the three of them are such different people Mm -hmm. and do very different things Mm -hmm. however they they've attracted both of us right and so I'm sure they attract plenty of the same people across their work and there is a very similar heart and I do think that you are a hundred percent correct that it's the driving force behind it of I want to better understand 
my sliver mm-hmm. of the human experience to help me better serve. And it's authentic. Yes. It's the authenticity that's so inspirational. And I think that's what draws so many people to them yeah. and their work. Um, someone else that inspires me in that way on the poetry side is Mary Oliver. Ooh. I don't know if you're a Mary Oliver fan. Love Mary Oliver. Um, her poem, Wild Geese, changed my life. Yeah. So, um, she also has that level of authenticity and that level of realness. Yep. And so I think that's, again, can be scary, but also being true to yourself inherently will allow you to make the right connections with the right Mm. people. So not to belabor this, you know, life is your greatest work of art analogy too much, but to draw back on that, um, these are four people that obviously there's plenty more out there, but that have shared their life as art work on a really large scale. What do you think resonates with you about the authenticity what is it that when you say it is authentic what gives you that feeling that you can kind of pick up on that because I totally agree but it's like what's the difference there between that and someone else who may not have that um same level of um openness or honesty but these four people again not the only ones that have this yeah do What is it about that that gives you that impression, that feeling? Yeah, I think there's a rawness to their work where they don't pretend to have all of the answers Mm. or they don't always act like, oh, everything's fine. Like, they have this level of transparency to life isn't great all of the time life's actually pretty hard a lot of the time yeah and I'm still doing my best to grow and figure things out Mm. and share that with others and of course there's a lot of joy I don't mean to say life is hard all of the time but they have this level of authenticity of like it's okay if things sometimes aren't okay yeah and still learning and growing and pouring into others Mm. along their journey that makes them stand out to me yeah almost um living their life as an example of what they're doing right like you're not just standing on a pedestal saying these are my recommendations but it's really opening the doors in a safe boundary ridden way of letting people bear witness to the way they're living their life as you know I'm imperfect but these are principles that I try and live by and teach and sometimes I mess up and then yeah. and then I try again <laughs> yes yeah and we will always do better yeah. you know yeah I love that um okay to kind of tie all of this together um I always inevitably like to get into opinions about the universe and kind of ultimate meaning and how did you get here and what does it all mean um, Reese, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm coming at you with the big questions but I'm like your story is a really beautiful part of that question for all of us and so I really want to hear what your take on all of that is. And I know that we've talked about it a little bit in our own time, but to kind of capture some of that and dive a little bit deeper. um, Because also I think in this conversation that we're having about, you know, living with authenticity and striving to be a better version of yourself while opening yourself up to other people and acknowledging the difficulty of that the beauty of that the 
spectrum of experiences we can have while still at the end of the day, you know, when your head hits that pillow, knowing our time here is limited. And part of what makes your life a work of art is that one day it will be finished, whether that's within this lifetime that it's just finished and you believe that that's all that there is or that you know another soul picks it up where you left off or yeah I think that a lot of what we have said leads us very nicely into that and I, I want to know your thoughts I'm kind of rambling now but I want to hear it no I'm following I'm following it's a it's a big question yeah and I don't know if I'll ever know right the full of answer I wouldn't believe anyone who said they did that's fair <laughs> <laughs> that's fair um I think at the end of the day when I'm gone I hope that I look back and know that I led a life that was led by love first. Hmm. And when I was in high school, I don't know how I'm thinking of this now. No, it's please continue down where you're thinking. Yeah, there is, I think it was my senior quote, but I don't remember 100%. But I think the quote was, I hope that others leave me a little bit happier than when they got to me. Something along those lines. So I think, like, acknowledging that life is really hard, but I hope that, if anything, what I'm here to do is to help other people figure things out. Mm. (laughs) And... I hope that I'm doing that from a place of love. Yeah. Which again is a big is a a big topic. Yeah. But I think if I can if I can do that I'll be good. Yeah. 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 Where does that philosophy stem from for you? Hmm. That's a that's a good question. It can totally be just your intuition like this is like you said you feel like this is what you are here to do and if that is yeah. just like this kind of internal drive towards that absolutely valid. Yeah. Just curiosity. I've been really fortunate to have some people in my life who have gotten me through some tough times. Mm. And so almost wanting to be able to do that for other people as well yeah is something that really drives me and I think I've also learned that like it doesn't cost anything to be kind yeah and so it does come from a place of wanting to be able to be there for people the way that other people have been able to be there for me yeah but I think it also I don't know. That's a I'm yeah. gonna th- I'm gonna be thinking about that though, because that's <laughs> a really good question. Thanks. Um and I don't say that to try and stump you or no. to try and put pressure on that at all. No, I'm here um, for it. I things it, are meant to be questioned. Well and I'm like, how do I wanna say this? Um, I probably have not met anyone that has such a similar life philosophy to my own other than you like you're one of the people that I have met that I am like kind of cut from the same cloth in that way yeah so it genuinely is this question of like for me just curiosity and wanting to know more because I'm also asking this of myself right yeah so that's very much 
my motivation behind those questions. But no, I um, love it. What sacred simplicity in that as well? Like I want to lead a life by love first. I think like simple, simple sentence that carries so much. Mm. And I think that we see that as a unifying thread mm. across a lot of religions, a lot of spiritualities, a lot of life philosophies. And yet, I think unfortunately that is often the first piece that can be lost when it's weighed down by the complexities of other elements of religion or process or spirituality or organization or any of that, right? And not to say that those aspects are always bad or detract. I think a lot of the time, like ritual can really enhance your experience. Um, but I think that as the core of your belief system is so beautiful and it just clarifies for me why I think I'm drawn to you as a person so much, but also why there is this unifying thread across worldviews. Yeah. Like, isn't that really what we all should be striving for? And I think, unfortunately, that is the piece that, because it is so simple, and yet probably the hardest mantle of all of it, right? That it's, it can slip through the cracks. Um, also, you're so right. There is no cost to being kind to lead with love it costs you nothing um and one of my great mentors whose podcast is actually coming out i think it'll be the episode before yours actually so hopefully everyone will have just listened to the episode with cedric james um but he was the first person who told me this metaphor i'm sure it comes from somewhere else but i'm gonna credit him with it he has always said that in life we all have our own candle um and it always gives me this image of like a vigil or something where everyone has their own little candle um and you meet a lot of people whose flame has been put out or hasn't been lit yet and it is our job to use our candle to light that wick and when we pull our candle back our flame is not any less strong it shines just as brightly it is just the same amount lighting someone else's candle takes nothing away from you it costs absolutely nothing and yet we look at it like it's an unrenewable resource but it is the constantly renewable energy is love and kindness two thoughts yes please i've been talking for so long and i want to hear all your thoughts no this is beautiful but two thoughts one i think going back to trying to lead a life led by love mm -hmm. I think it can be easy not to because there's so many scary things in the world yeah and so it's easy to um if you've seen tick tick boom yes the musical when he says like am I being led by fear or by love yes it can be very easy to be led by fear instead yeah um understandably so because there are so many really difficult things that people go through yeah. and I'm like as someone who lives a very privileged life it's easy for me to sit here and be like everyone should be doing this yeah. <laughs> but yes yeah. but going back to the candle and Brene Brown so mm -hmm. very full circle I love that um in one of her specials I don't remember if it was the show on HBO or if it was the one on Netflix, Netflix. But she describes to her daughter, your energy is a candle. Mm -hmm. And so when your light is burning bright, you need people who are going to surround you and protect your flame and not mm. candle blower outers and yeah. not people who want to diminish your light when it's shining bright. Yeah. But I also love the analogy of being able to light other people's candles too. Yeah. I think both of those are true because I think when we're looking at again another analogy but this candle as an analogy <laughs> for our energy for our love um, 
I think if you look at it as a non-renewable resource, it can be scary to see someone else's shining really bright because your gut instinct is protect what I need to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so seeing someone else with a lot of something, I think that's where like that gut instinct of like envy or um, anything, upsetness about someone else having that, I think it really comes from a fallacy. It's fear. I'm not good enough. It's that fear that I'm not good enough to have that same level of flame, of brightness. And I will always remember the first time my mom said this to me, um, because it was in like fifth grade, sixth grade, you know, when you kind of start going through the mean girl stuff and middle school is hard. It is. Um, (laughs) But she was like I, I for some reason I think someone might have like said something to me that hurt my feelings after like someone had complimented me and she said here's the thing you being beautiful takes no beauty away from anyone else and someone saying you are beautiful does not mean someone else is not also beautiful Yes, and it's a hundred percent you're so on it that fear like you hear that for someone else and it's like fear 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 like the figures of it start creeping in and it still happens to me to this day where like you hear that you see that in those like little tendrils of fear creep in i saw i think it was an instagram post but very similar to what your mom said Mm -hmm. of you know what's beautiful sunsets and flowers yep and the beach and name almost anything else that's beautiful right like you think Mm -hmm. of so many things when um when that comes to mind yeah and just because a flower or a tree or a sunset is beautiful doesn't also mean that a candle or a song or it doesn't take away from that beauty like both things can exist it's not a pie Right. <laughs> like right. <laughs> you don't have to divvy up the beauty. Yes. <laughs> you don't have to divvy up the love, right? Like right. these are overflowing things. I love that. I feel like people are gonna listen to this and be like, they just agree with each other. <laughs> Which That's I'm like, okay. hey. <laughs> I, I think so too. Um Okay. I'm going to get into some rapid fire questions, which I don't always do, but I think they're kind of fun and we have a couple minutes. So I want to do rapid fire. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Have you ever had a ghost experience? No. Okay. Not. No. Okay. (laughs) But you do. Where do you think that? Yes, I'm from Louisiana. Okay. Fair enough. Yes. (laughs) Um. Do you think that's tied to energy, tied to spirit, tied to an afterlife? Or is it more just one of those things where you're like, I believe that there is something, but it's still a little question mark murky? The second. Okay. Cool. Yes. I love that. 100%. <laughs> yes. That I'm kind of there too, where I'm like, there's obviously energy, but I couldn't explain what that looks like. I right? don't know why, but there's energy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. Um, Aliens. Um, logically speaking, the universe is so big that I do think that something else would have to exist. Yeah, but it's probably not a green man with antennas. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if it would ever get here. Yeah. If it's that far. I have no idea. But logically speaking, I think I want to say yes. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Because there's too many, there's too many other universes and planets. Yep. For 100%. us to be the only one that was yeah. able to create life. Right? Right? Like, it, and the universe is also ever expanding, right? So it's like, if the universe is constantly expanding and we were just part of that expansion that was really rapid at the very beginning, but somehow we were created during the expansion that, you know, scientists call the Big Bang. Um, why couldn't that happen further down? I don't know. Clearly, I'm not a scientist. I don't understand the science behind it. But so interesting. Um, favorite color? Oh, 
Okay, I think I'm gonna say my favorite color has always been purple. Yeah, go but, frogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's always been purple, but I think that's my favorite color in theory mm. and in practice. It's green. I have a green couch. Most of my, cl- not most, but a lot of my clothes are green. You're completely changing my approach to colors. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that is so true that so many people are like, I love this color, but I'm like, I've never seen you wear that color. And it's like, well, that yeah. doesn't mean you don't like that color. Yeah. But you totally have a different favorite color in theory and in practice. Like, yes. absolutely. <laughs> because since I've been a kid... I've always just loved like a light purple or like a lavender Mm -hmm. and I still do, but I don't really wear purple. Yeah. And I never paint my nails purple. (laughs) Right. But I think like a, an olive Mm. or like a dark forest, earthy earthy green. I love that. How fun do you have a green couch too? I do love love that couch. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Okay. Favorite food. That's tough. It is How tough. How does anyone decide? I, I don't know. You can also have a favorite meal. Yes. Um, I guess my mind goes straight to ice cream. I mean, who doesn't yeah. like ice cream? Love. Specific flavor, brand, store, any strong opinion about ice cream. How about that? Um, well, I do love Bluebell. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bluebell. Um, specifically, the mint chocolate chip. Okay. Is really good. Um, Cookie Two Step is also really good. Cookie Two Step is so good. So good. Oh my gosh. Um, And if I'm having Ben and Jerry's, then it has to be Americone Dream. Mm. Love. Yes. Really good. Okay. Yes. That is all I have for speed rounds. So I have my last two questions to kind of wrap up our conversation. The first of the two is. Is there anything we missed? Is there anything that you want to clarify, go back over, throw something else out? Or it can be completely different from everything we've talked about that you're like, the mic is hot. I want to throw this out there. (laughs) This is time for you to kind of say anything that you feel needs to be said. (laughs) Oh, bless you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, The last thing I would say is that everyone's doing their best Mm. and I genuinely believe and yes I got this from Brene Brown but I genuinely believe that my life feels better when I also believe genuinely that everyone is doing their best 100% yeah absolutely I'm not even going to add anything to that because it is exactly what it needs to be and I agree and I love that nice okay very last thing to round out our podcast I need one word that describes how you're feeling right now and it doesn't have to be some fancy word it can be just whatever is the first thing that comes to mind that feels right I'd say vulnerable. Not to be cheesy. I know we've talked about Brene Brown so much. But we've also talked about a lot. Yes, absolutely. We've talked about a lot. So I think I am feeling vulnerable, but I think that also I also feel seen because we've talked about so much. I am so glad. That makes me so happy. Well, that is all that I have. Again, I want to thank you for your time and energy and your vulnerability and showing up authentically yes you're talking about how beautiful that is for other people to do but you need to know that you do that on a daily basis and you do that for me and there's what's this quote I want to be I think you posted it on your story today actually the one that's um (laughs) I want to be the type of person that is so myself that it lets other people show up as themselves I did post that on my story I I'm like I saw this just today and I'm like (laughs) it was totally on Caitlin's Instagram story (laughs) You are someone who does that for me. So thank you, thank you for showing up in the way that you do and for being here and letting me share your light via podcast with people. Thank you. This was a joy. I'm this so, was so glad. Fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you all so much for being here today and another big thank you to Caitlin for her time. I would love for each of you to be a part of the conversation, so please share your thoughts on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or LinkedIn, all at The Cohere Collective. If you want more of Caitlin, you can follow her on Instagram at kahill.caitlin. If you want to hear my in-depth thoughts about today's episode, you can head to thecoherecollective.com and click on blog. You can subscribe to Cohere on our website and access even more meaning-making content. And please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave an honest review or rating. If you believe in what the Cohere Collective is doing and you believe in making meaning, that would mean so much to me. Thank you to Podington Bear for making Meanings theme music and Nicole Ostreicher for making Meanings art and podcast cover. You can find Nicole's work on Instagram at Nicole O Creates or at Nicole O Design. Right now, I am feeling warm, but in the emotional way, not the temperature way. Um, yes, this has just been a good week and being able to reflect on this conversation that I had with Caitlin and the wonderful weekend ahead of me. I, I have the, the warm and fuzzies. I'm really looking forward to the next couple weeks and I'm looking forward to catching y'all next time. Love.